He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. Make sure you head over to the73rdhole.com and check us out on social media. 73rd Hole, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also follow follow our personal Twitter accounts at T underscore Williams 101 and at Colby J. Powell. That is where, on the weekends, I share most of my thoughts on what's happening in the world of golf, including what was happening in the world of golf this weekend. And what, a, what an exciting weekend it was, Taylor. What a great event that we had over in Dubai. Shout out to Paul Casey for hanging on to the lead. Obviously, the main story of the weekend, but I want to start somewhere else. Let's just go ahead and start in California. Uh, congratulations to Patrick Reed on your trophy that you hoisted yesterday. Another sham trophy for Patrick Reed. I, I just, Taylor, I have been beside myself for two days as to what took place on Saturday afternoon in the left rough on number 10 at Torrey Pines. And, and it got to the point yesterday where my, my wife was trying to talk to me and I was just sitting there and, and she, she gave like this whole long story and I looked over and I, I was like, what? And she's like, Colby, you have to stop thinking about Patrick Reed. It, it has taken up my headspace for two full days. So I don't know. You, you go ahead and dive in Taylor. Um, obviously just a, a quick explanation first, Patrick Reed, obviously I'm sure everyone's seen it. He, he goes, his ball goes over in the left rough on his second shot on 10 He's walking up to his ball. He's still about 30 feet away from his ball. He has not seen the lie yet. So there, at this point, would be no reason for him yet to believe his ball's embedded. And he asked the volunteer, hey, did it bounce? And her exact quote was, no, I didn't see it bounce. She said she didn't see it bounce because she's a volunteer who's, who's paying to be there. She just wants the free round at Tory. I'm sure. She didn't see it bounce. So as soon as Patrick Reed... Heard her say that she didn't see it bounce. He looks at his playing competitors and said, hey, she said it didn't bounce. I'm going to check it. It's not what she said. She said she didn't see it bounce. She didn't say it didn't bounce. So then he turns his back to the camera. He knew where the camera was. Turned his back to the camera. Picks the ball up. Puts it in the palm of his hand. Does not hold it out with two fingers. He has his back to the camera. So we can't see exactly what he's doing with the grass at this moment. He ends up then setting the ball about five, six, seven feet away over by the cart path. And then he calls an official after that. He brings the official over and says, look, I'm going to let you make the call. Okay, Brad Fable was the rules official. I don't know how the hell he could determine if the ball was embedded if the golf ball is not there. So he sticks his hand in the grass and says, sure, I feel a lip. Take your drop. He drops in a much better lie near the cart path where the grass is much shorter, hits it up to 15, 18 feet, makes it for par. They move on. It's just, it's another sequence in a, a long line of what we've seen from Patrick Reed over the years, Taylor. Yeah, I, I on all, in all honesty, have no no idea where to start. Um, one thing I will note, note is that even though he did end up winning by five shots, um, it seemed like the whole, the whole first hour of especially the CBS telecast was solely devoted to the rules explanation. Then they brought in the whole Rory thing and we're comparing side by side and you know, the way I see it is, there, there's multiple ways to look at it, obviously. Um, number one, just like you just said, Colby, it's this is like the eighth time we've had to deal with the Patrick Creed cheating scandal. You know, how many times do we have to hear about something happen if 
before you realize that the trend is what it is. And, you know, there's a reason that people who get arrested for the fifth time in a row are more punished than people who get arrested for the first time. Because you repeat yourself over and over again, uh, you deserve the consequences. And, you know, it's, like you said, the, the way everything worked is, is interesting because... The funny thing is, is like when they updated the new rules of golf, I have it pulled up here. There's a few different rules that they implemented. Um, rule 7 point, or I'm sorry, rule 4.2C, rule 7.3, and rule 16.4. These are all rules implemented to essentially say that the player does not have to let his playing competitors know when he is moving his ball or marking his ball to check it for, or like if he was taking a drop from cart path or anything like that. Used to be before the new, th- this was the time the rule changes came around with the um you know the dropping um, from dro- the knee dropping from the knee and the um you know water hazards now penalty area uh five three minutes to look for five you know all or three minutes now instead of five so that's when they did all that and so and so now they made it to where you know there's a few reasons to do that one was to speed up play um because you think that hey you don't have to get your people or you have to get people over because when we had to play junior tournaments colby you know i mean if you played with someone you knew they were like yeah go ahead do it you know you still had to let them know that you were doing it taking a drop but if you're playing with someone who didn't know you i mean they're going to walk from plum across the fairway come over to you and make sure that you're doing drop that's going to slow up play quite a bit but we're on the pj tour colby and we were kind of texting about this and we have different numbers on this I think there needs to be at least five rules officials per nine holes, at least, minimal. And you, you made the reference to maybe have a rules official per group. I, I think that may be a little hard just because the fact that— I was, I was kind of being—that was hyperbole yeah. just because of what happened Saturday. The, re, the reason I say that is because not, not mainly main power or manpower, but also, too, the rules of golf are complicated. You heard Nick Fal- Nick um, uh, Frank Noblo, I'm sorry, on the— um, telecast yesterday when they had the um, do you know his name Colby the rules official who they got on on CBS now Ken Tackett Ken Tackett yeah, yeah. Hey, great first day he had right oh my <laughs> god uh, Ken Tackett we want to welcome him to the broadcast for the first time we're thrilled to have him here with CBS so uh, Ken Patrick Reed uh, just pretty blatantly cheated right nope perfect by the letter and and again and, and and anyway you continue later we can get down into the rabbit hole uh, of the tour making sure that you know they don't ever release a statement saying someone cheated yeah right and, and with it being such an integrity game and I'll get more into that later but going back to the um, Frank Noblo comment he, they were talking about how um, I think it was on 16 yesterday when Reed was finishing where he had to bring in another rules official because his ball is isolating on his mark and Frank Noblo made the comment to the rules official and said well under my interpretation if you mark a ball and and you pick it up and it moves you play it from where it runs to and the rules official was like no you put it back where it was initially if you had already marked it and it was kind of confusing me I mean I know the rules of golf fairly well I definitely don't know every single rule but for someone who played on the tour you should know that you you run up to mark the ball so it doesn't roll back down the hill you know that's the reason you go up to mark it so whenever it does roll back you don't have to play it so I mean, that, that goes to show how complicated the rules are. Frank Noblo, a tour player, on has covered how many ever golf tournaments, doesn't know every rule of golf. So how can you expect to get 35 to 40 people out there to cover it to know every single rule? You know, the analogy I thought of it, Colby, was imagine a ref watching or at a football game had not watched the previous play, needed to know where to spot the ball, and was looking at it from an end zone camera at the 50-yard line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like the, the, the calling in a rules official after you pick up the ball does no freaking good at yeah, all. It, it does no good. He never Brad Fable never saw the lie. He never saw the lie. What Patrick Reed did, Patrick Reed clearly picked the ball up, and and, and I think that I can say with near certainty 
you know, 99.9%. That ball bounced, and it went about a yard forward. It didn't bounce up and go straight back where it had landed. Yeah. Rory's did something very similar. You know, we'll, we'll get down to that later. Rory's didn't necessarily pop straight up, but th- you could tell that there was a difference in there, but they're they're, they're fairly similar, but keep on going, Colby. I, I thought on video that Rory's popped straight up, but we'll get to Rory's. I promise we will get to Rory's because uh, I've got some audio. I want to hear people hear Rory speak because everybody heard Patrick Reed speak because it was such a big deal Saturday. Nobody heard Rory speak because it was just on Golf Central last night. Um, um, so, so we'll get to that for sure. But Patrick Reed, you know, calling the official over, what good is that doing at this point? He's well, trying to cover his ass. He's trying to cover his ass. Exactly. The, the, the whole reason that it was all so shady, I, I don't care if the tour comes out and says that, you know, he handled the rules situation perfectly. He manipulated the spirit of the rules. B- because here's the problem. The ball wasn't embedded. And he was looking for embedded ball relief before he ever even saw it. Why would he be asking the volunteer if his ball bounced before he got up and saw the lie? Why would he be doing that unless he he was already planning? And as soon as she said, nope, I didn't see it. He immediately was like, guys, she said it didn't bounce. I'm going to check it. In, in that moment, as soon as he got the answer he needed from the volunteer, he, he was taking embedded ball relief. And there was nobody who was going to keep him from taking embedded ball relief. He was and, already bending down to pick up his ball. And again... When he was talking to his competitor saying, hey, I'm going to take relief. He was already bent down on his knees in, in a catcher's position. 100%. With his back to the camera, which I think is is important. He knew where the camera was. The camera was right... The, the close-up camera. He knew the close-up camera was right behind him. And, and he stood with his back to it and he crouched down where we could and see what he was doing with the ground. And some people may think this is unfair. I don't think it is unfair to question whether Patrick Reed put an indentation into the ground, either with the golf ball when he originally picked it up or with his thumb. Patrick Reed has earned himself these questions. You know, it's not, to me, I wouldn't put anything past Patrick Reed in terms of trying to give himself an advantage. And I don't care if Ken Tackett and and these guys want to come out and say that that it was handled 100% perfectly. I'm sorry, maybe, maybe by the very letter of the law of the book, it was. But that's not the spirit of the rule. Just because the volunteer said she didn't see it bounce doesn't mean you get relief. Patrick Reed, after the after the round, even said, you know, if a ball bounces and, and lands somewhere else, not back in its own pitch mark, no, that, that ball wouldn't be embedded. Then what did you see that made you think it embedded? Or did you only take a drop because the volunteer didn't see it bounce? It's everything about it was so shady. And from the moment he asked the volunteer if it bounced, he was attempting to manipulate the rules in his favor so that regardless of whether the ball was embedded, he got relief. And, and you know, just make sure to put it into context. I mean, this, they had gotten a lot of rain on, what was it, Thursday night into Friday morning, so the course was was very oversaturated. It's right by right by the ocean, thick, long rough anyway. So, so when you're dealing with stuff like that, it's it's kind of hard to even know at that point because the rough's so long and thick. If you just drop a ball down, technically it's going to make a little mark at that point. Then how deep does it have to be for it to technically be embedded? And if if you don't have someone there, another eyewitness to see you lifting the ball up and to see if it actually is coming out of a hole or whatever it may be. And, you know, I, I will say this, like, for example, when, like, if we're out at our local club playing, right, we don't have volunteers out watching our ball. We don't have uh, rules officials that we call to come over and do it. So technically all the rules that were put into place here are for common golfers or for people who are just out playing to try to speed up play for the most part. And I think this is a clear indication that the tour needs to have, 
if you are going to, I think that's, there are definitely areas where the tour needs to have different rules than the regular player. This being one of them, you should not be allowed to touch your ball unless a rules official is right there with you to do it. That is my opinion. I think it's from cart path, from anything, because unfortunately, Patrick Reed, we live in an integrity game, but if we're going to have people go out and win by five shots, and I even meant, showed you the thing, Colby, where he got in um, when he was younger, just got out of Augusta State, got into six Monday qualifiers. Who knows if he cheated at any one of those and got someone out of a spot. Great example is Corey Connors two years ago. Made it in on the number at San Antonio. Ends up winning the tournament. I don't know if, I'm pretty sure uh, Patrick didn't Monday qualify and then win a tournament. No, he, did he, not. Played. he did not. But at the same time, those those finishes get him status, which propels him going forward. He, he gained PGA Tour status via the events he played in via that he got into via the Monday qualifiers. Yes, and, yeah. and to put it in perspective, you're going to have to shoot somewhere between average of 63 and 66. I think 66.5. I looked was the average like cutoff for a Monday qualifier. So you think about it, one stroke is the difference between getting in the event and not getting in the event. And you saw in that situation right there, Colby, if he had played that ball from where it lied, he made a par. Had he played it from a sitting down the rough, he could easily made double. Two it, strokes he, right he there. He would have made a five or a six. It would have been it would have been tough for him to get that ball on the green from where he was at. Now, because his short game is one of the best in the world. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that had he gotten it anywhere near the green, he would have gotten it up and down and made five. That's not the point. The point's not what the score was on the point on the whole. The score is how he the point is how he handled the situation. You and I have played Karsten Creek. Rough's pretty gnarly, right? Just not a ton of fun. Patrick Reed absolutely dominated Karsten Creek in twenty eleven. I, I, it, it is not unfair to ask questions and, and to basically question his accomplishments throughout his career. I, I, I hate, hate, hate to think what this guy does when the camera's not on him. That's what, you, you know, I was listening to No Laying Up guys this morning, and one of them gave, gave the stat that if you get pulled over and you get arrested for drunk driving, statistically, you've driven 80 times under, under the influence, and this is the first time you've gotten caught. I feel like that's kind of the same thing with Patrick Reed. It's the same with everything. It's the same with everything. He's been caught this many times. He was caught on Saturday. He was caught, what was it, the U.S. Open two years ago where he was near the fringe and he was fluffing down a lie to get a better lie. Mm -hmm. He was caught by Peter Costas at a tournament five, six years ago. Costas said like three or four times throughout the year he had seen it. I mean, Costas said that he would see Patrick Reed do it all the time where he would get a club out that he had no intention on hitting, press the grass down behind the ball to improve a lie and then hit it he was caught blatantly in the bahamas using his sand wedge as a shovel to to improve his lie in it it wasn't even a sanctioned pga tour event it was the damn hero world challenge and he's out here scooping sand away and i just you know there are people i I was arguing with people i'm in a big big uh, group text with guys at the greens where i play i was arguing with people this weekend people who want to give patrick reed the benefit of the doubt and and here's my question to anyone who, who wants to give patrick reed the benefit of the doubt why? Why are we giving Patrick Reed the benefit of the doubt? You shouldn't. We shouldn't at this point. It's it's like you said. Why? What? It's Elon didn't chase Tiger with a nine iron because he got caught with his first woman. You know, it was after 25 or 35 that it finally <laughs> happened, you know? So, it's, like you said, you, it, whenever you get in trouble, you're 99.99% of the time, it's not the first time you it's did it. It's something you've done before. Exactly, 100%. And, you know, this this is not defending Patrick Reed at all, Colby, whenever I say this, but I just want to know how far deep into rules, interpretation rules, kind of bending do we want to get? Because... Um, I think we brought this up on one of, on our recap show for the Sony Open, Colby. If not, we'll, we can get into it. On Friday of the tournament, Nick Taylor was leading it, and his ball was up against the 
out of bounds fence for the um, on number nine, which is a par five. Yep. And the net extends higher. So basically, for anyone who doesn't know, a boundary fence you're not allowed relief from, but the net, which was above the boundary fence, can technically be a movable obstruction. Net and and if the wind is blowing like it was at the Sony, then that net can now be blown essentially inside where the line of the boundary fence is because the wind is pushing it into the course of play. Correct, correct. And so essentially for anyone who didn't see it, Nick Taylor's right-handed player, his ball was up against a left fence, so he would have had to hit the shot left-handed. Nick Taylor proceeded to tell the officials that he was going to play this, if not if the net was not there, that he was going to play this shot left-handed, hit it 200 yards over the out-of-bounds, over trees, to try to get the ball up to the green. So you know what he did? He got relief from the fin- or from the line, get out, hit a shot, end up making par, or whatever it may be. Maybe even made birdie. That is obviously not what he would have done if there wouldn't have been a damn... Um, um, whatever it's called, uh, netting there. Same thing with Sergio in the Ryder Cup 2008 when he was playing Anthony Kemp. He said that he was going to hit a shot 98 degrees backwards so he could get relief from a staircase. And whenever the flag was this way, then once he took his drop, he ended up by the green. So, I mean, if... At what point... I, obviously, Patrick Reed is a cheater and needs to be punished, but at what point are we going to start getting onto other people who do very similar things? Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that Sergio, Nick Taylor, these guys, again... I'm willing to usually give the benefit of the doubt to somebody because they, they don't have the reputation. It's you're just like you're not going to hit a shot left-handed 200 yards over damn out of bounds. No, I, I think you're right. I, I didn't actually see that. It's really hard for me to say, you know, I think Nick Taylor should have done this, should have done that, because I don't know, you know, that net blows in. I, I do think there's a difference between using the rules of golf to your advantage and manipulating the rules of the game. And I think that that's what... Patrick Reed did but Saturday. But isn't that what Nick Taylor did, though? He it, manipulated it, it because he lied. Maybe he is. would not have hit that shot had that net not been there. That yeah, is and, clear and, as day. And maybe he did. I, again, I didn't see that shot, so I don't, I don't want to base my opinions based on something that I didn't see with my eyes. I just, you know, here's two other things I want to bring up, and then we can move on to, to the Rory deal here. Maybe we should even take a break and come back uh, and talk about Rory, catch our breath. But, you, you know, Patrick Reed, two things. Number one, Patrick Reed is allowed to call for a monitor to be brought over so that he can see whether it bounced. He's allowed to do that. We saw Matt Kuchar do it in 2019 at the Memorial. In 2019 at the Memorial, I believe it was on the 17th hole. I watched the video this morning because I I wanted to go back and watch it so it was fresh in my mind. Matt Kuchar hit a tee shot, landed in the middle of the fairway, and then it landed in someone else's pitch mark that had had been made earlier in the day, and it stuck in someone else's pitch mark. And Matt Kuchar brought the monitors in, watched the video, brought two different rules officials in for for separate opinions, was not awarded relief because they deemed that that pitch mark was already there, that his ball landed in that pitch mark, but it didn't make that pitch mark. He didn't get relief. So that's number one. Patrick Reed could have called for the monitors. My my question on that, Colby, was was Kuchar in the final group on Sunday when that happened? It was, yes, it was a very, very key moment in the tournament. The reason I say that is because this Patrick Reed situation happened on Saturday. I believe had it happened on Sunday, I don't know if Reed had, would have called over a monitor, but I do think I do want to make a discrepancy there because you know I, you, you know because Saturday I mean obviously every hole matters, but Saturday after, actually Saturday I, number ten I, it may, you may be wrong, but or, well, or you no, may I, be I right. Just, but I want to go watch it again because Ricky Fowler was in the group and is in the background, and now that I think about it, I think Ricky had a white shirt on. So if Ricky had a white shirt on, it, it, I don't think Ricky had any orange on. I think he was wearing like white and blue that day. Well, and and you know Ricky can't be close to the lead on Sunday anyway, so. <laughs> So it definitely, definitely would have had me. Uh, so anyway, so that's number one. And number two, after the round, Patrick Reed watches the video 
And he's like, you know, had I known that it bounced at the time, absolutely I wouldn't have taken a drop. Here's my question. Why didn't Patrick Reed assess himself a stroke after the round when he saw the video? Because he wanted to win. Why, why didn't he assess himself a stroke after the round when he saw the video? He said after the round, if the ball bounces in the way that it did, there's no way it could have embedded. Had I seen that, I would not have attempted to take a drop. You've seen it now. One stroke penalty. You're nine under instead of ten. I it, And it would have been so easy for him to do that, and then we would have avoided all this. If he would have done that, I would have actually come on here today, and I would have given Patrick Reed credit for owning up to the fact that what he so, thought he saw in the moment was different than what he saw on, on the, the monitor, and then he, he assessed himself a stroke penalty, but we knew he wasn't going to do that because he's Patrick Reed, and it's win at all costs. Do you remember last year at the Memorial when John Rahm was stroked two strokes after the round because like his... It was yesterday because his ball moved a less than a millimeter. I wouldn't even say it moved, was, oscillated. It, and he was stroked two. It is a criminal freaking offense that John Rom was stroked two strokes for that, and Patrick Reed was not stroke yes. fined or anything for what it, happened this it, past week. A criminal offense. It's criminal that John Rom was stroked two strokes, and that the tour not only didn't stroke Patrick Reed, but that they are actively going to bat for him, trying to make everyone think that he did nothing wrong. Whenever we all have two eyes and we all saw it. L- let's do this. Let's take a break. Let's catch our breath because we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Rory situation, the similarities, the differences, and I have the audio of Rory explaining his thoughts. We all got to hear Patrick Reed explain his. That was on the broadcast so more people saw it. So I'm going to play. It's about a three-minute audio clip. It's kind of long, but if we're going to hear what Patrick Reed had to say about his situation, it's only fair that we hear what Rory McIlroy had to say about his. And at some point, we'll actually get into the golf that was played this week, Colby. Because there was a golf tournament. There were two great golf tournaments. There was one in Dubai, one in California. We will get into the golf. We'll talk about Hovland and the, the dreaded 14th hole for Hovland. All that we'll get 17th into. 17th was, oh boy. Oh man. I, and we'll talk about uh, the little bit of cash that that cost you out of your pocket. Uh, appreciate you, Vic. But we're going to take a break, catch our breath, come back, and, and that's all coming up on the other side. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here, 73rd hole. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back, everybody. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole in what has been a wild few days in the game of golf. Now, obviously, the Patrick Reed situation on Saturday wasn't the only one via Patrick Reed's official Twitter account and somebody on Team Reed's burner account. We learned that, you know, they essentially tattled and said, hey, 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 look at Rory. Look at Rory. So what did we do? We looked at Rory. We waited for the video to come out. We saw the video Sunday before the round. So then everyone kind of, I think, drew their conclusions before hearing Rory speak, and then Rory spoke about it after the round. So just so we have a clear picture, let's listen to what Rory had to say about his situation on 18. He he hit a layup on 18, ball bounced up, and and he kind of talks about it. It took him a while to find it. 
he determined that it was embedded. He took relief. So let's hear what Rory had to say, and then Taylor and I will come back and react to it. Rory was just wondering, were you by any chance informed about the PGA Tour statement that went out about uh, your incident Saturday? Yeah, I just was informed of it. No, I didn't know about it until I just signed my card. And what is it? What do you? Re- how do you react to this? Yeah, like I mean, that? look, I, you know, I came in here yesterday after... Um, hearing about what Patrick had been through on the 10th hole, sort of giving him the benefit of the doubt because I was just I just went through a similar thing on 18 yesterday. Um, I hit a 5-iron for a layup. It sort of got caught up in the wind and ballooned uh, and it landed beside three volunteers but they didn't see it. So, you know, the three were, the, the, the three guys were searching for the ball as I got there. We, we took a while to we sort of, it took maybe a minute and a half to find it. Um, and then when one, one of the guys found it, uh, he said, well, no one saw it. So I basically did the same thing as Patrick did. I said, well, I'm going to just check if it's embedded. Um, and I, I just saw the video of it, you know, because none of them saw it bounce. Um, so I checked if it was embedded and it was in its pitch mark. I mean, I took the ball out and there was a, you know, there was a lump of mud on it and it had broken, it had broken the surface. So I, I said to Roy Sabatini, look, I... You know, this ball's embedded, and he said, "Yeah, no problem at all." He had one on 15 that he uh, he had an embedded ball on 15 down the right side. Um, so I basically just said to him, "Look, this ball's embedded." He said, "Yeah, no worries at all." I took relief and proceeded on. Were you surprised that a ball bounced and got embedded? Have you ever I mean, seen that I f- I don't. So I, from what happened, like as like as everyone knows, if you if a ball bounces up and comes to rest in a pitch mark or in a in a lie that's not the pitch mark that it made then of course it's very hard for it to be embedded but I, I feel the way my it, my ball was definitely in its own pitch mark and it, it, it had to be you know that and that was why I was so confident to take relief and uh and and do what I did okay, you saw the, did you see the video of Patrick's shot landing very yeah yours. yeah so we got the exact same kind of thing. I mean, I guess so. Look again, I I I said to you guys afterwards yesterday, I said, look, I I haven't seen the video yet, but it's not uncommon for someone to put a tee down in the ground and check if their ball's embedded, especially in soft conditions. So um, you know, I was sort of given you know, without seeing that video, giving Patrick the benefit of the doubt because it seemed to me like it was a bit of a storm in a teacup. You know, you're you're trying to deal with the info that you have at that time and the info that Patrick had at that time was the ball hadn't bounced and the info I had at that time was the same and I went down and you know I, in on my life that ball of mine was was plugged it was in its own pitch mark so you know I made I, I took relief and again I, I went on from there Okay, so again, that was Rory McIlroy after the round Sunday, not after the round Saturday. He, he had not seen the video until after his round Sunday because it essentially was a, a non-factor until uh, we had some, some tattletales on Twitter, and we, we'll get into that here in a few minutes with the burner and everything. But Taylor, just based on what we saw, Rory's ball bounced. Now, the camera angle we have is not a 90-degree sideways angle, but it, it certainly, to me, looks as if the explanation that the ball bounced straight up and went straight back to where it landed is a plausible explanation. Took him a while to find the ball. I, I, I believe Rory. Rory said, he said, on my life, 
that ball was in its own pitch mark embedded. I believe him when he says that. Again, this goes back to the fact that he has the utmost of integrity in the game of golf. What do you make of Rory's comments? Uh, I, I agree, Colby. I'm... You know, the camera angle is very skewing because we're essentially looking from the 18th green backwards, and the shot was, what, 100 yards away from the green, maybe a little closer. I'm pretty sure it was 118 yards because I was watching live on Saturday when he hit the approach shot, and the lie was still so bad that he could not advance a wedge to the green. Okay, so he was 118 yards away. So, nevertheless, you know, so depth perception going back, it's hard to tell, you know, is the ball bouncing up? Is it is it bouncing forward? Is it, whatever, what is it doing? And it's very similar, like, when your ball hits a rock, you know, on a whenever you're approaching the green. It goes straight up in the air, and you have no idea where it's going is yeah. it is it going on the green is it going back into the water and your heart's racing and but nevertheless you know Rory mentioned he had mud on his ball that's that's not a clear indicator that the ball embedded in its spot I mean we you get mud balls in the fairway all the time he, he also said it broke the surface but so did Reed though so I mean but my, my point being is that okay so whoever tattled on whatever the burner accounts name was whoever tattled on Rory the only way they would have tattled on him is because they saw it on camera right I would assume so, yeah. Okay, so my point being on why we need officials before you can touch any ball. If Just because Reed's a top 10 player in the world, we keep hearing about it. How many times does this happen on Thursday or Friday to people that don't don't have cameras on them? That, that well, and, and Rory McIlroy even said that on Saturday, on 15, Rory Sabatini took a drop for an embedded ball. And, and again, I would have no reason to believe that the ball wasn't embedded. I'm not out on like some mission to say that no one's ever allowed to take an embedded ball. I do think that there are cases where the ball w- was embedded. I just think, and, and here's a, another huge distinction for me in, in the differences between the two scenarios. Number one, Patrick Reed saw that within one club length of where his ball was laying, there was some much, much shorter grass that would have been much easier to play from from the cart path, and then he was able to get it up and down. Rory, on the other hand, I, I mean, he asked Rory Sabatini if it was a club length, and he was like, yeah, and Rory was like, well, I, I mean, I don't really need a club length. This is all just thick grass. Rory was not trying to gain an advantage. Rory dropped it into some thick, nasty rough to the point where he hit a wedge from 118 yards, still couldn't advance it to the green and had to chip up with his fourth. Uh, there, in 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 my opinion, just watching it, I think it was pretty clear that in no way was Rory trying to gain an advantage. No, no, I completely agree on that. And you know what's so funny is you know you, you see that clip of when Rory's messing with his ball, and you know he he hasn't picked it up yet, and he's yelling, you know Rory Sabatini's up almost on the green, and he's you know yelling, "Hey, is it a club length or whatever?" And so you know there's no one around to to justify what he's doing, but and so that's what makes. One of the things that's great and bad about golf is that it's so integrity based, and and we know we know Rory, and we we or we feel like we do, and we feel like that he's an honest guy. Obviously, I don't feel like that he would ever cheat. Why would he need to? He's got nine figures in the bank account, so I mean, what? There's no need for him to try to win tournaments, FedEx Cup. The only thing, the only t- tournament that he would really need to cheat in is majors, just so he could win more. That, that's his only incentive. <laughs> so I mean, what's what's the point? And so I mean, was Rory tired of blowing his Sunday leads like he is? So he's deciding to cheat now? No, that's not the case, and. It's it's like we keep bringing up Colby. If if you're a repeat offender to do something, you're going to be a lot more looked at on as to why that's the case. And I just there has to be there. Where's the line at? Because Reed obviously did something to manipulate the rules. I brought up at least two examples that I know of of other players manipulating the rules in their favor the same way. So the way I see it is is that, and also two two differences in there. 
Rory didn't even, you could tell, like I said, when Reed called that official over, it was to cover his ass. Rory didn't even think twice about it. He, there was no official over there. He didn't, Rory didn't call an official. Rory just said, hey, I'm going to look at my ball. and picked it up, said it's embedded, and said, hey, was it club length or closest to club length, whatever it may be. In, in, in the moment, you could tell there was not a doubt in Rory's mind that his ball was embedded. Correct. And you see Reed, who, like you said, who's literally bent down, Yelling to his playing competitors, I'm gonna check, I'm gonna check this ball's embedded, picks it up, doesn't like you're supposed to do, Colby, with the two finger method, essentially, or three finger, however you want to do it. And so where the ball literally is not supposed to move, the logo's not even supposed to be different from where and, it was. And the reasoning for that is under Rule 164, which you brought up earlier, Brandel Chambly made a big deal about it on Golf Channel. The reason for that is if you're not awarded the ruling of an embedded lie, if your attempt, if your plan is to call an official over and the official determines that your ball is not embedded, it must be placed exactly as it was. You must play it with mud or whatever else is on it. And that is the, re- if somebody's like, why does it matter if it's in your palm or your two fingers? Well, if it's in your palm and you're kind of wiggling it around kind of suspiciously like Reed was, you could be cleaning mud off that ball. Whereas if you're holding it out for the world to see in between two fingers, you're not doing anything you shouldn't be doing with that golf ball. It's very similar to if you have you're playing with another playing competitor and both your balls end up six inches away in the fairway, right? So you ha- you need to mark your ball and you have if you have mud on your ball in the fairway and there's another person by you and you need to mark your ball so the other person can hit. You don't get to clean your yeah, ball. You don't get to clean it. You don't get to clean it just because now one of the new rules that they did implement that was different. You you were all once if you were allowed relief, you were always allowed to clean your ball. That was always the rule. Yep. But they did change it to where you are actually allowed to put in a new ball if you, anytime you take relief. So for Reed, there's And I think Rory did that. He probably I think Rory did. put a new ball in play. So for Reed there's no reason for incentive for him to clean the ball because if he gets relief, he can just use a new one. Or, so, or he can clean it. I mean, why Why would, again, why would he turn his back to the camera? He was bent down for like 30 seconds and the ball was clearly in the palm of his hand. Again, it was just all so suspicious. And I feel like Rory's was just very nonchalant, just very, he, he, he checked his lie. He determined his ball was embedded. You know, he didn't need to call a rules official in because he determined his ball was embedded. And, you, you know, we can argue about whether you should be required to have an official there to take embedded ball relief. But I just feel like there was nothing suspect about what Rory did. And I think that his explanation holds water that the ball, you know, because also his bounce was so much smaller than Reed's. Reed's bounced like a full yard forward. Rory's just kind of barely popped up out of the grass and went right back in. And, and I just... I think his explanation is totally plausible. And remember, we're talking about a serial cheater in Patrick Reed, and we're comparing him to a guy in in Rory McIlroy. I can't remember if it was at this past PGA Championship or a couple years ago where they were looking for his ball greenside in thick rough. A volunteer accidentally stepped on Rory's golf ball. Rory was then entitled to a free drop. Rory takes his free drop, determines that the lie would have was so much worse before that Rory then confers with the official and is allowed to take another drop to give himself a worse lie. And then he fails to get it up and down. If he does that in a major championship, why would he be trying to take embedded ball relief on a ball that wasn't embedded on Saturday of the farmers when he's five shots back? It makes no sense. I, th- I think definitely with Rory, you, we know that there's no intent there. I think anyone who's logical or isn't just frantically in love with Patrick Reed or just hate Rory can look at that and say, yeah, Rory had no intentions to do it. And that has a lot to do with it because 
it's I think it's almost clear to tell through the visual evidence what the intentions were for Patrick Reed and what he was trying to do. He was trying to gain an advantage because he was he was in the uh, in the bunker, Colby on ten when it happened. That's what he did. He snap hooked a nine iron or whatever it eight was, iron, yeah. eight iron. So who, who know he could have had some sand on his ball that was still clumped on gets down there. I mean his lie is gonna be terrible. So I mean what does he want to do? He wants relief and he's just dead. Like you said, you could tell he's thirty feet away from his ball and he's just trying to get anything he can. Well, to and try you can you can tell walking up he's right next to the car path you, you can tell walking up he's within a club length of the car path the grass is much shorter within the about eight to ten inches on the edge of the path he knew that if he got embedded ball relief he could drop on that nice pretty grass and be able to hit a, a nice easy shot up there to about what he did 15 feet give himself a chance to make par and it's exactly what he did so intent matters the, the the history of both of these players matters. And the worst thing you can be labeled as in golf is a cheater. And it is so unfair, I think, for anyone to put that label on Rory McIlroy based on what happened Saturday. And, and also, it makes me feel slimy that the reason it became a story is because I mean, I have to assume that it was either Patrick or Justine who threw the... Ma- His the- wife, Patrick's wife. Yeah, Justine, just Patrick's wife. I have to think it was either Patrick or Justine who threw the mega fit on Twitter on Saturday night, and that's the only reason Rory got dragged into it. So, so you know, I, I saw somebody tweeted this out. I can't remember who it was. Said, what Patrick Reed did on Twitter Saturday night would, the, would be the equivalent of somebody uh, in, in a murder trial saying, well, OJ did it, and he got acquitted. You know, it, it's... Why? Why is? Why does that matter for your situation? I, I just, I don't know. The the whole burner thing and the fact that that's how Rory got put in the spotlight makes me uncomfortable. And, and I again, being labeled a cheater is the worst thing you can be labeled. We played high school golf with a guy who cheated all the time, all the time. And did we ever give him the benefit of the doubt? No. Every time he told us about you know a birdie he made at a tournament, we rolled our eyes until he finally got caught and our coach reamed his ass and he and he never got to play again. It cheating in golf. Because it is a game of integrity and it is a game where you police yourself. It's the worst thing you can be labeled. I, I am not putting that on Rory McIlroy. And I got a question for you, Kobe. So so to bring back to um to the high school story, so we had a kid who the way he would cheat, the the way he got caught cheating was he was literally going at the end of his round, this he had already signed his card with his After pl- they signed the card. Signing for hundred and five or whatever it is, going in and erasing the scores and giving himself an eighty nine, literally changing almost every hole worth of scores. And my question for you, Colby, is is that Vijay Singh on, I believe, the Asian tour was literally found for doing the exact same thing. Literally going oh, I in. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, yeah. This was this was way back before. This is mid-90s. So he and that you had the deer antler thing, which kind of covered, which was nothing. But nevertheless, yeah, Vijay Singh was caught and is known for literally changing his score at the end of a tournament. And and Vijay's kind of known for being a, a jackass some, to some people. Some people like him, but he definitely doesn't have the reputation that Patrick Reed does for being a cheater. And You know why? Why is that? He didn't play in the social media era. I promise if somebody did that in the social media era, they'd be labeled a cheater forever and they'd never be able to get away from it. You wouldn't, if, if you got caught doing that today, you wouldn't be able to play. You, no. wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed on the tour. No. And VJ, you'd be completely ostracized. You'd and, never get picked for a, a team event, even if you did stay on the tour. You'd never be a captain's pick for a Ryder Cup, for a President's Cup. You'd be totally ostracized. You probably wouldn't. Even, you shouldn't be allowed to play on the tour. You should, no, if you're changing scores on your scorecard after they've been signed, no, you don't deserve to play anymore. No, and and that that goes for any mini tours, anything like that. And so you know, VJ was was caught doing it. I, I'll, I'll look. I can look up the exact story. I want to make sure, um, figure out when it was. But uh, but yeah, that was. So you know, my point, Colby, is. I said, we've got that, which is deliberate cheating. Then we have a situation like Reed, who 
we we essentially know he's cheating, but at the end of the day, it is just kind of skewing the rules in a sense. And I keep bringing up examples, like I said, the Nick Taylor, the Sergio Garcia. I could go back and probably think of some more. And it's you know, like we credit in in football, we credit we credit Bill Belichick for that that one play where they made the offensive lineman eligible and they threw a touchdown pass to him and then they changed the rule the next year. So we credit them for finding loopholes in the rules and and taking advantage of them. And my question is, at what point in golf is that is that borderline? Is it such more integrity that you can't take advantage of the rules? Because there's a lot of examples of people taking advantage of the rules of golf, whether it be from thinking uh, a scoreboard's in your way, so you take a movable obstruction from that. And there's just so many other layers that go into it, Colby, of you know how at what point does someone get deemed a cheater? Does someone get deemed um, you know someone trying to find loopholes? Because I don't know, Colby. I mean, I'm not just trying to make comparisons here. I and, and the results obviously vary because he ended up winning by five shots. But but what Nick? I'm and sorry for going back to because like you said, it's it's not it doesn't justify him because it's not like oh well OJ did it so why did I? So it's not like well Nick Taylor did it so Reed can do it. But I, what Nick Taylor did, I think, is more egregious than what than what Reed did. And it's and like you said, it it, it all goes to intent. And I think the intent is there to tell an intentional lie to get your benefit of the rules. And and for Reed, he marked his ball, picked it up, and then called an official over to cover his ass. If he didn't have that second thought in his head, he would never even called over an official. He just would have went ahead and done it. And people will make the excuse, oh, well, he's known for being a cheater, so he went ahead and did it anyway. Well, if he did that, he would have done that before he picked up his ball. Yeah, then as soon as he walked up to his ball, he would have said, I need an official. He would have said, I need an official, and he never would have touched anything. Anyway, just to, to quickly touch on your, your VJ story, it was at the, I just Googled it, it was the 1985 Indonesian Open. Oh, in, mid-80s, in, sorry. In, yeah, in Jakarta. He was 22 years old at the time. He was one shot shy of making the cut. Somewhere between the time he holed his last putt of the second round and the time he signed his scorecard, VJ improved his scorecard. He lost a stroke, lowered his score by one stroke, just enough to make the cut. He's always maintained that it was a misunderstanding, but but um, there was a, a Sports Illustrated article in 2000 uh, that the the writer said, I interviewed the Indonesian Golf Association official who ruled that Singh had improved his score in Jakarta by a stroke just enough to make the cut before signing his card. I reviewed the incident with Asian tour players of the time, including the Canadian pro who played with Singh that day. An American player who was there said, quote, it was not a misunderstanding. All of us who are around are very upset that VJ denies this. This was 1985, seven years before I was born eight years before you were born i didn't even know this happened until this very moment and reading this he was banned by the way from that tour he was banned from that tour because there was enough evidence that he cheated and altered his score after the round what what tour was it again colby uh it was it was the indonesian it was the 1985 indonesian open um so let's see uh the southeast asian golf federation Okay, so it's probably it was a minor tour. You said he was twenty two years old. And he's from Fiji, yeah, so twenty two years old. It's probably time. not a PJ any tour affiliated or anything like that. So yeah, hundred percent. So anyway, um, again, this was not in the social media era. Era, thank God for VJ. And I didn't know about this until today. It forever changes the way I view VJ. Forever changes the way I view it. And he he had one of the best years any golfer ever had in two thousand four. Yeah, won nine times in a single season. Yeah, major change. This Look. forever changes the way I look at it. So I'm, it's something that people need to know about. And so, I mean, you, you can go deeper into it for me, Colby. At what point do we do we get on to people for finding loopholes in the rule? What What is the line for you between finding a loophole in the rule and being a cheater? I think it's intent. I think if there's intent to, so to Nick, cheat. So Nick Taylor's a cheater, in your opinion. I, it, the way you've described it, if I went back and looked at it, um, 
I, I, I could very possibly come to that conclusion. I, I just, I mean, obviously you didn't see it. You can't label someone if you didn't, you don't I, have I, evidence. Yes. You can't do it, but, and I don't even but, know if I could find the video now at this point of, of Nick Taylor. And what'd you say? The second round of yeah, the second round, open. Yeah. I probably couldn't even go back and find the video at this point, but it, it's, you know, intent to manipulate the rules of golf to where essentially you get relief that you are not entitled to. Okay, so what about if, like, for example, there's a um, one of those little mechanical boxes, you know, that, that controls the sprinklers, right? Yep. What if that's kind of in your way, not really, and someone takes a drop away because they say it's a movable structure? Because the intent of you knowing that it's not really in your way and you take and drop, is that a cheater if you do that? See, to, to me, I would say no, because if I'm in that situation, it, it might be to where, like, I'm going to hit a nine iron and my nine iron's going to launch over that box. But, but that, to me, is a man-made obstruction, and, and it's... It's a visual obstruction as well. You know, you've got this box in front of your ball that you have to launch your ball over. That, that to me, I would not. Because that, I don't think, and again, I don't think that's like manipulating the rules in your favor. I think that's like, okay, I'm not comfortable with how I'm sitting in relation to this man-made object. Take but, but, what, but what if it's in the same situation like Reed was, where you're in the deep row Ooh, and it's yeah. not really in your way, then all of a sudden you get to go drop on fairway. <laughs> this, that's a good hypothetical. That uh, that would pro- I'd probably feel a little reason bit different. I, I remember Annika Sornstam a long time ago doing the same thing where there was like a scoreboard and she was like, the, 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 the scoreboard was not an obstruction of her with the flag. She kept trying to tell the rules official that she wanted to play a cut. She wanted to play a fade. So the scoreboard on the left side was in her way because she wanted to hit a fade. Yeah. Is that cheating? It, again, I just, to me, you, you have to be such a blatant cheater in the game of golf for me to put that label on you. I, I think that like there's a difference between having some suspicion that maybe someone's intentions weren't totally pure and then knowing that there's a guy like Patrick Reed who for a decade ha- has been doing everything he can to to skirt the rules of the game of golf. Well, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the, the line for me is, is that if someone is continuously finding loopholes in the rules to benefit themselves, like Reed has been doing in some of the ex- examples I have mentioned, or there are your extreme circumstances like VJ and our former high school teammate, yeah. Racing scores and changing them, <laughs> or you know, blatantly having sixteen clubs in the bag, you know, and playing your round without telling anyone. Right. You know, obviously, there's a difference between getting on the ninth hole and realizing, oh, I didn't take a club out. Right, and and, and then but team. And here's another question for you, Colby. You, you've played a lot of go- uh, golf in your day. We we've all hit balls in the water, you know, and you you've probably taken a bad drop in your day, correct? You probably taken a drop in your time that Un- was unintentionally. Yes, sure. I'm, I'm sure right? we all have. We've we've not seen exactly where it crossed. We've, you know, you, we're like, you know, this is, I think this is where it went in, whatever. I'm sure we've all taken something that if we were on camera would have been ruled not the perfect drop. Yeah. So are, are we all cheaters because we've done that? You know, I mean, no, exactly. There's, That's no, my intent. Point. There's Ex- no intent there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's a difference between taking a bad drop because you, you misunderstand where either the ball crossed or not, or you know, on a par three and you duck hook the hell out of your long iron and you say, Oh, it hooked over by the, by the green up there. I'm going to drop green side and chip up, you know, that kind of thing where it's, you know, it's clear that your ball didn't do that and you still go up and drop. That's where the intent comes in. But Uh, you and I had a situation like that. I was caddying for you in the Oklahoma open just this past August, just five, six months ago. And there was a guy in your group. I believe, believe it was on the 16th hole at Oak Tree, uh, Oak Tree East, and he played a draw off the tee, and he splashed in the pond on the left, and he immediately went up, determined that his ball crossed up 
pretty darn close to where it splashed, took the drop up there, and then was able to play a shot into the green. The The alternative would have been the fact that, no, it did not cross land up by where it splashed. It, the the uh, point where it crossed the hazard was 150 yards back, and he would have had to drop behind the entire hazard. There was a mega difference in between what happened there and you and I, look, we weren't up there. We didn't have exact eyes on where the ball crossed. So again, we can't label him a cheater. That is on him personally, internally, as to whether he legitimately thinks his ball crossed up there. And, you know, that's not for us to decide. That's his cross to bear if he thinks that that's where his ball dropped or it, crossed. Pardon. Yeah, you know, Colby, I'm a big... Patrick Creed has taken me away from this, but I'm a big believer in the old basketball phrase, ball don't lie. You know, whoever ball it is, give it to someone, they shoot it, they make it, it's their ball. You don't know who who, right. who out of bounds it was. His next shot happened to plug in the bunker and he made triple. I, I, exactly. I think you, <laughs> you made it perfect. Exactly. So, but Reed is a notorious cheater, now top 10 player in the world, got millions in the bank account. It's, start, it's, it's, it's starting to rub me the wrong way, Colby, and I don't... I, I, you got the you got the rules official coming back and defending him. I and I don't think that's a read thing. I think that's a tour thing. It's, I, it's a tour thing. Th- they don't want anyone on the tour to be thought of as a cheater when there clearly is a cheater out there. Yep. And I don't know at what point they're going to have to. I don't know if they fine him if they. I mean, do do, do you have like a, a watch list, Colby, where of guys who have been you know have so many marks, you know, all of a sudden you have a spotter with them. Every, like, like, like it's like a no fly list. Exactly. Like yeah. Patrick Reed, you don't get to fly solo. There is a rules official with you, yeah. not with your group. I, I may be wrong. With you. I may be wrong on this, Colby, but I believe they they did something similar with this with slow players where, you know, they, they kind of had a list of people who had so many marked flags for, you know, warnings of saying, Hey, you need to speed up so that I, I may be wrong on this, but so that the players were aware of, you know, Oh, Hey, this guy is slow. So you need to play faster because I mean, that's something you need to be aware of because unfortunately in the rules, if you're too slow, the group can get punished or whoever's in the group as opposed to the one player. So, or at least if that information wasn't given by the tour, it was available. It was available from some other outlet per se. So, you know, my point being is that there's a lot of avenues to go about this with the Reed situation. And that we have to keep the integrity of golf intact. And I don't, maybe Reed set an example of, of how not to do it. So maybe everyone's going to be so anti-read that everyone wants to be super honest. Hopefully that's what happens. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, you you got a, a message from one of our um, our former co-hosts, or not our co-hosts, but one of our guests on the show saying that Patrick Reed is an embarrassment to the game of golf at yeah. this point. And, you know, I, th- I couldn't have said it better myself. So. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, again, there nothing that Rory McIlroy has ever done in his career, including this past Saturday, was done with any intent to compromise the integrity of the game. We can't say that about Patrick Reed. On the contrary, we can question everything Patrick Reed has done because so many times he has compromised the integrity of the game. So let's move on. You want to talk about some golf? No, did, did anyone actually hit a golf shot I mean, this I week? I mean, were there actual I, shots I thought just drops were, were being taken. I thought we were just at a rules seminar. Everybody just dropped their balls for four days, and then we, we added it up at the end of the week. So, uh, I mean, it was, again, I, and, and another reason, it took away, the Reed situation took away from what really for three and a half days was a great tournament before Reed pulled away uh, and Hovland stumbled. You know, Hovland may be from Norway, but he was America's sweetheart yesterday afternoon. He was one shot back on that back nine, and everybody was pulling for him to take down Reed. 
and that pesky 14th hole. It got him Saturday from the fairway. It got him Sunday from the fairway bunker. Both times he ended up with a couple of yards of each other over to the left of 14 green. I, I thought what was really interesting is yesterday, uh, Victor Hovland dropped twice. It rolled into the hazard both times. So his caddy handed him the ball back and he went to place it. It rolled back a half a roll and inch, however far you want to say it rolled back. He picked it up and then you could tell immediately in his mind, he was like, oh shit, should I have picked that up? And then he called a rules official over because he was fully prepared to take the penalty stroke if he would have been told that he was not allowed to pick that up since it didn't roll into the hazard. But anyway, gets it up and down, but then he gets stymied behind the tree on 15, has to pitch out sideways, makes break. bogey, lips out for birdie on 17 on a perfect putt. I, I really think that he just, you know, lipped out on 17, felt like that was probably his last chance to get back into the tournament and didn't take the ensuing two-footer seriously at all. Well, you it. could. It was a horrible, horrible stroke. He, I mean, he, 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 he was chuckled. a terrible stroke. Right after he hit, he chuckled. You yeah. know, just like, oh my god, what are you doing? And so he makes bogey there. So Reed ends up running away with the tournament. Big, long way T two. Bunch of guys at nine under. Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, Hendrick Nor Hendrick Norlander, uh, teammate, college teammate of Patrick Reed at Augusta. Hendrick Norlander, uh, Ryan Palmer, and Xander Schauffele all finished at nine under par, five back of Patrick Reed. Yeah, and, you know, um, you look at that, Shoffley was a guy who hadn't finished better than 25th and had missed three or four cuts here. All of a sudden gets T2. That goes to show something. And, um, you know, Rom is a guy that who, who we liked him to finish in eight under, kind of stumbled. 72-72 on the weekend for Rom. I wasn't expecting that. You know, and... I don't, it could be attributed to the form, whatever it may be, but whenever you got new equipment and you're coming to the weekend of a golf tournament in the lead, you may not perform the same. And so I think that had a little bit to do with it. But, you know, Kobe, I want to get into, um, I want to get into Hovland a little bit more. How about that second round he played at Torrey Pines? Oh, my Torrey God. Pines South. Where he, where he bettered the field average by nine and a half strokes, shot 65 in what, you know, there was only a hailstorm for a brief period of the day, but it was bad weather all day. It was, I said this in my group text on Friday. Um, it maybe was, if you're just looking at one round, you know, you don't care what day it is. You don't care whether it's to win the tournament. If you're just looking at an individual round of golf, we might not see a better one than the one Victor Hovland played on Friday at Torrey South. No, no, it's, it's very similar to uh, what Charlie Hoffman did on Thursday. I remember a few years ago at the Masters when the, it was horrible weather and he went out and shot like seven under and the next yep. best was like three under Brent or something. Brent did something similar at Pebble to win a few years back. Yeah, uh, uh, no, he did, he did it at Torrey, I believe, on Sunday. No, you're right. He did do it at Torrey. Yeah, he shot, he was the only one to shoot under, like he shot 69 and everyone else shot over par or yep. something like that. Yeah, yep. it was very similar. So yeah, maybe it's just Torrey South that does that and that's what's going to happen when you get a lot of good players in, in a field set. So, of great players because if you hit fairways and greens, I mean it's going to be hard to make a high score. Hovland showed on seventeen that you can you could do that and still make bogey, but but nevertheless it um, it just goes to show that they, these these guys are just great players. And and how about this, Colby? You know he's crowing down. Will Zalatoris finished T seven. He's another young up and coming guy. Eagled eighteen to close. Eagled eighteen. Yep. They hit a really good shot in there. How about old Eduardo's brother closed with a, a six under on Sunday to finish top ten for the first time in Lord knows how long. Um, Luke, down. Luke List shot sixty six on Sunday for a T ten. That's that, a big time that, T10. That was a really good DraftKings pick you had. Um, Adam Scott fum, uh, fumbled down the stretch on Sunday. I thought that was a little surprising. I thought he would have kind of made a little bit of a run. He's that, saving that, it. He's saving it for Riviera. Is that you? Th you think he's going to defend? I don't know, man. He plays well out there. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm. I just need to use Adam Scott sometime soon. You know, while he's playing this good golf. I don't know. I might save him. I'm, I'm really torn on that. Um, by the way, if you're not.
not listening to our preview shows, you need to listen to our preview shows. Two weeks ago, uh, American Express, you had the winning DraftKings lineup in our pool. This past week, I had the winning DraftKings lineup in our pool. Only cut, only miscut was Bubba Watson. Had Rom, Adam Scott, Cameron Davis, Luke List, and Justin Suh. That was the winner this week. Uh, a, lot a, tough, of good, a lot of good low-value guys there. A lot of good low-value guys. In a place like Tory. you know, you don't have to have six made cuts and have everybody in the top 15 to win your pool because it's such a difficult golf course. A lot of big names just aren't going to play well. Uh, Taylor, I, I do want to get your thoughts on Jordan Spieth because Jordan Spieth on Friday, he made an eagle on the front nine. Was it six? Uh, made yeah, an eagle so. on six and got himself to like four under for the event. Projected cut was one under. I get on Twitter and, and I, I see people talking about the fact, you know, it's good for the game of golf whenever Jordan's playing well. And, you know, it was a bad weather day. He was playing in bad weather. It all went to hell on Friday. He ends up missing the cut. He's now the 92nd ranked player in the world. He, he truly, at this point, has become just darn near an afterthought in the game of golf whenever we're previewing tournaments or, or looking looking at them. But, I mean, you, you brought his world ranking up whenever we took our break earlier. 92nd in the world is – it's staggering to see that. He's almost outside the top 100. It, it, it's coming. And – like you said, he he had shot three under on, on the north, which is the first round, which it seemed to be beneficial for for those guys to get out there. Then, like I said, Sunday was or not Sunday, Friday was was the bad weather, and you you look at it, he's playing the south course. He had that eagle on six, but no other birdies in there, and had one, two, three, five more bogeys. And looking at it, lost strokes on the field there, and um, you know, I just I'm with you, Colby. Um, I just I think that. At what point does he have to change something? We keep asking this question because. It's literally the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And here we are almost three years down the road from Spieth playing any type of good golf. What His last win, if I'm not mistaken, Kobe, was the Open Championship 2017. I don't think he's won a PGA Tour event since then. He has not. So, I mean, we are... And can you imagine if somebody would have told you that day when he stared down Kutcher on the back nine, told Greller to go get his ball out of the hole? Somebody would have told you that day, hey, this guy isn't going to win again. That moment has... You a- laughed at him. You know, that that was, you know, and I saw a lot of people doing that, and I was, you know, obviously I was a Spieth hater at the time, uh, so I uh, and it kind of still am to an extent, but, you know, you would see people at your club, you know, you know, doing, hey, point to the ball and pick it up, trying to be a smartass and all that, and, you know, that moment, you know, had a little, if you weren't a Spieth hater, had a little bit of swag to it, in all honesty, but since he hasn't won since then, that moment has lost all its swag, in my opinion. Yeah, it kind of has, and he needs to get his game back. It's come so far. Taylor with Jordan Spieth. I used to be a Spieth hater too. It has come so far that it's almost to me like with Sergio where for a long time I didn't like him. And then it was like, all right, the dude's been out here 20 years. He deserves a major. For, for me, it's to the point where I feel bad for Spieth and it's almost like I'm pity rooting for him. And I do think it would be good for the game of golf for him to contend on Sundays. I think it would bring eyeballs and people would be like, oh, is this the return of Jordan? I think that would be good for the game of golf. It's come so far that I was actively rooting against him every time he teed it up. And now I'm rooting for the guy because it would be good for golf for him to get back. And I feel bad for him. He went from being on top of the world to a complete afterthought in the game of golf. I mean, if the dude didn't have all the exemptions from the majors, he'd be on the verge of losing his job. Well, this, this is the reason that I, I feel a little less sympathetic than you do. You, you do know that Spieth is one major win away from, one specific major away from having the career grand slam that only yep. five other golfers have accomplished. Yep. He does not belong in that group. He, no, he, he, he flat, doesn't. He does, he does not. But it's so crazy because it's like he was unbelievably scorched earth inferno hot for three years and then totally lost his golf game. Makes no sense. Right. I, I can't even... He, 
I can't even describe it. Th- think about some of all the greats who don't have the, uh, that title. Arnold Palmer, Phil Mickelson, uh, Rory, obviously. Um, Greg Lee, Norman. L- L- Greg Norman, Lee Trevino, uh, Nick Faldo. Um, the list goes on and on. I'm sure there's um, been... The, the guys in the list are Tiger, Jack, Gary Player, Ben Hogan, and Gene Sarazen. Those are those are the five that have done it. Obviously, like your Bobby Jones, Walter Hagens, they, they were young, or Harry Vardens, you know, they were way before the Masters yep. and them were, were around, so they, they've got the U.S. and British Am and all that, but, but those are the five that have the modern Grand Slam, and for Speed to be a PGA Championship away from from having that, that is why I don't feel if if he was like Sergio and had had not won a major and was somewhat getting his game back and was was needing it, I, I would feel I would I feel similar to you, Colby. But but the man has three major championships. He's a Longhorn from Texas, and at the end of the day, they kept comparing him to Tiger. And now everyone's looking like fools that did. Yeah, again, and I saw a stat this weekend. Rory McIlroy has now made twenty three consecutive putts cuts. Pardon me. 23 consecutive putts. He never made 23 consecutive putts in his life. He's made 23 consecutive cuts on the PGA Tour. That is the active leader in cuts made streak. Tiger made 142 in a row. So just again, we're totally on a different subject way in the weeds here. There is no next Tiger Woods. So let's not call someone the next Tiger Woods when their career gets off Even to a Charlie great start. Even Charlie can't earn that title. Even Charlie can't earn that title. <laughs> no, just kidding. So uh, anyway, and then, so Taylor, so Saturday night, you and I were texting. Uh, the Dubai Desert Classic was this week. You and I were texting Saturday night. So so to put it in perspective, we had, if I'm not mistaken, we had Paul Casey at 15 under. We had Robert McIntyre at 14 under. Brendan Stone at 13 under. Next yep. best was 10 under going into the final round. Yes. No, and you had brought up, Colby, the, the stat afterwards. Um, you had brought up that Paul Casey, I believe it was after this win, was now 6 for 12 on having the final round lead and At least a share. At a, least a, a share. A solo Co- or tied for the 54 holding. Yeah. So 50%, I mean, you can look at that in multitude of different ways. Is that good? That's bad? I, he brought it up. It's probably a little bit better than for the reputation Paul Casey has. Um, so up until that point, he was 5 for 11 on that. And... There was only two guys within five strokes of him. I didn't think anyone around there would come up make a charge. So what did I do? I text you and I get the brilliant idea. Hey, let's throw a little bit of coin on Robert McIntyre and Brendan Stone because surely one of them is going to win. Right. A Paul Casey Not one chokes. or the other. Let's bet on both. Both of them. <laughs> it wasn't a hefty amount by any stretch no, no, of the, imagine, no. and, and the imagination, but it would have paid. It would have paid nice if one of them and, won because Casey. And the has, logic was sound. It was until I wake up the next morning and I see that both of those guys shot a combined what two, two over. Brandon combi- Stone shot even on the day. Robert McIntyre shot two over and i mean it's uh, and paul casey shot two under i i I wasn't watching i didn't know what the weather was like the wind had blown a lot during during the week i don't know if it blew on on sunday but nevertheless paul casey he could have choked all he wanted he he still ended up winning by uh four or whatever it was so one by four shots yeah so um the other guys just that i bet on choked around him and so i apologize to robert mcintyre and brendan stone because my bet probably cost you a chance at winning the tournament probably cursed him yeah and robert mcintyre by the way was a name that you gave out last week as a guy to watch for this week and he ends up getting solo third place finish but this is now paul casey's 15th win on the european tour and the european tour is just getting better and better we, we'll talk about the saudi uh field tomorrow in our preview show strength the field of almost 400 just a ton of names in that field and paul casey you know he played the american express the week before hopped on a plane flew 12 time zones across halfway across the world 
teed it up in Dubai, and won the tournament. That's really impressive from Paul Casey. Absolutely. And I mentioned this on our um, on our recap show of the PJ Championship back where he finished tied sec- finished tied second with DJ, correct, to Morikawa? I believe so, yeah. yes. Because so, him and Morikawa, I think, were tied when Morikawa hit that tee shot on 16, and then Casey's like, oh, again, this is going to happen to me? Yeah, and it, it, it did. And I remember after that show, I was saying, I think that once we look back on kind of this generation of golf, Paul Casey will be known as one of the best ball strikers to ever play the game. And he, he has such a great fundamental swing. You can look at all the analytics. He's a great ball striker in almost every category. And and I, I think that he's just had one of those careers, like you said, Colby, whether it be misinterpretation. He's not 50% with a share lead, co-lead. There's a lot of factors that can go into that. Does someone just go out and beat you, or do you end up losing it? You know, that can happen in a lot of different ways. So, but I think... Speaking of, Tony Finau splashed it on 18 yesterday. God bless. And uh, we, we can get into more of that in a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> right in the middle of the fairway, 10 under par with... Um, and at that time, Reed was still... Reed thir- was 13, but he had like four holes to play, and a few of those are tough. Yeah, fi- yeah 15 and 16 are both uh, hard holes. And so Fina's in the fairway and he tries to hit that that old Nike iron that he still has, like him and Kepka have that three iron and he put it right in the middle of the damn pond, man. I mean, and, and I, I didn't need, even land on the bank. No, it was a full I, club short. I mean, it's and it, it wasn't as bad as Rom on 18. Rom looked like he asked for the yardage to the middle of the pond. <laughs> But he, he, Ron just had to be over at that point. He, oh, tried, he, he tried to hit a he tried to hit a three wood out of the fairway bunker. Over, and, hey, I give him credit. He, he he's the one to do stuff like that. We saw it at uh, at the Players Championship on eleven. He's trying to hit four iron hooks around the, the, trees the way, over water. By the way, that one also splashed. Yes, yeah. So maybe Rom, once you get in these fairway bunkers when you need to clear a hazard, I want to start laying up, bud. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. But you don't want to be like our our intro lay up with an iron into the hazard because that is don't want to do that. that don't want to do that at all so one last thing and then we'll get out of here we'll call it a day so you and i are in a pool where every week you pick one american player you pick one international player it's not one and done it's two and through you use a guy twice can't use him again so this way and and by the way there's 20 guys in the pool everybody puts in five dollars a week the winner takes 90 whoever comes in second takes 10 you had Finau and hovland (laughs) guy you end up losing to by a stroke has reed and Leishman, your thoughts? Well, Reed decided to lay up and play it safe and then just ended up birdieing the last hole just to piss everyone off to win by five. And I had... I mean, at least we, Holland we, didn't bogey 14, bogey 15, three-putt bogey 17, miss a two-footer, par 18. Finau splashes on 18, makes we, bogey. Finau's right in the middle of the fairway on 18. All we need is a freaking par and we can tie it. And he gets so low second at that point, which is good for our one and for done. For our one and done. All we need is a par. And that's so much more money, not for us, Three, but for Finau. It would have been an extra $361,125. Solo second instead of a five-way tie for second. Um, I'm, so, so I, I'm, I'm almost about to throw up now that you told me that. Hovland could have had the extra money or Finau could have had the... If Hovland doesn't miss the putt on 17, he gets that extra money. If Finau hits it literally anywhere on planet Earth that's not that pond on 18, no. there's no way he makes worse than par and he gets that money. Yeah. But that's not how it played you out. You know, our, in our, the, the pool we're talking about, Colby, is it's you have to have both players make the cut and it's total score. So yes. Reed could have bogeyed the last hole one by three strokes and I would have won the pool. He could have just dicked off, but instead he decided to burn win by five and I lose the pool by one stroke and I lose my Brenton Stone McIntyre picks and you know Colby I bet golf maybe twice a year if that you know I mean I'm, I'm not that that besides our DraftKings, I don't throw that much money out there and so when I do to get just I mean to you get, seem pretty thrilled about it I, I, I mean it, it, it was a great golf weekend nonetheless we had we got Reed winning tournament I mean that's just 
that oh man man it's just it's just like sand in the wound at this point and it's like you got like eight cuts you know yeah and it's 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 no fun but the way i see it is it's speaking of eight cuts you see your uh your dad's DraftKings lineup he filled out this week how was it putrid i i, I it I wasn't kept, good i kept scrolling down i was i was like you I only had one missed cut but unfortunately you had all the guys up in the top 10 and some of my guys weren't weren't able to get up there because we both had rom but and my missed cut was charles howe who i picked two weeks in a row and has missed the cut i will not be running out Charles Howell until I start seeing a little bit better form. Wouldn't recommend it. I, it it's if, he's, if he's missing the cut at uh, PGA West and at uh, at Tory, he's, he's mi- playing bad golf. He, I think he's missed more cuts the last two weeks of those two courses than he has in his entire career. Uh, those two you venue, might be right. venues, I'm sorry. They you play might be right. multitude of courses. But. Yep. All right, good stuff. We'll be back uh, tomorrow to preview everything happening this week. I think two this, great tournaments. Two great tournaments. Huge week for Ricky Fowler, who's at 62nd in the world now because he plays well here. He ain't going to be in the Masters if he doesn't play well over the next few weeks. So, big week for him. Saudi has a great field this week. Just an unbelievable field. It'll have a higher strength of field than the waste management. The waste management is not out yet. Strength of field for Saudi is 394. We're looking at DJ, DeChambeau, Hatton, uh, Cheating Reeds over there. Yeah, I hope um, they've got a lot of Casey cameras. Depending over there. We, I mean, we need the close-up zooms of... Patrick Reed's uh, 18-inch missing Hovland's uh, tra- traveling over there. So, yep. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a great tournament. And Waste Management, Rory's playing, obviously, mm-hmm. which was a big statement. Xander's and in the field. It's yep. a lot of great players playing this week. And uh, hopefully we can get through next um, next this next tournament without all these damn cheating ac- uh, this damn cheating going on because it's it's really bad for the game. It yeah, really is. I think it is, too. It just it casts a negative light on what should have been a great tournament. So, yeah, you know, there, there's a quote that says, uh, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter how you view us as long as you keep on viewing us. And unfortunately, that's yeah. not how it works with with Patrick Reed because he's golf is starting to get a negative tone because of because of him. And whether whether what he did was justified or not, it's it's getting to a point to where it's borderline absurd and something needs to be done by the tour, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. But we both know it won't happen. So, all right, good stuff. Appreciate everyone tuning in again. Check us out the 73rd hole.com. So our 73rd hole, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, find us on social media as well. Uh, should have some, some pretty big news in the near future. So, uh, really excited for some things that are happening with this podcast and appreciate everyone's support along the way. Thanks for listening once again to the 73rd hole.